Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a four-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete. And I am still in Aiken, South Carolina, um, and we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, she's trying to shove out my intro, but I'm Tyler Head. I'm a professional groom and a mental toughness coach, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation, a practitioner of CrossFit, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and daily meditation. And I am also um, still in my winter home of Ocala, Florida, but um, looking to head home to Pennsylvania probably soon, I think. Things are a little up in the air right now. It's uh, it's a little crazy out there. Yeah, with um, the whole pandemic going on, um, it's just plans are changing daily. You know, competitions are getting canceled, so our schedule is kind of moving around, and we're just trying to um, kind of go with the flow, not get too panicked about it, but... Um, you know, it's hard when you're trying to move, like, 30 horses back to Pennsylvania and all the logistics of it. So we are um, trying to stay fluid and positive and also washing your hands a lot. So Excellent. That's all we can do right now. That is. Um, anyway, so back to our normal part of the episode. We want to welcome you guys if you are first-time listeners Thanks so much for tuning in, and if you are tried and true fans, thanks for coming back. So we have to admit that we've actually lied to you guys like twice now, Um, and once when we said we were going to record this episode together at Red Hills, which we did not, and another when we post on Instagram that we were seeing each other for the first time since Thanksgiving, which was a lie. Tyler, why why did we lie to them like that? Okay, I was literally, like, so overwhelmed with seeing Emily. Like, I I had just, like, you know, like, the show season really started to kick up and things got really busy, and I was, like, just so excited to see a friendly face. And I completely forgot that we had gone to Boston together in December. Even though that was, like, an epic trip, so I don't know how you forgot it. It was so epic, but I was like, Emily, I haven't seen you since before Thanksgiving. And she's like, that's a lie. (laughs) Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, we did, like, the whole, like, we spoke at the USEA convention, like, dream of mine, everything. Yeah. I don't know. I am really sorry for misleading you guys, but that actually ties into two great themes for today's show, because on today's episode, we're going to try our best to cover what can be kind of a controversial subject, um, mental health and body image, Um, and the tie-in is because I was mentally not in the best place when I saw Emily, and we're big on community, so that's the pillar tie-in there. But anyways, we'd like to start off this episode by saying that we're not mental health professionals, so if you or someone you know is suffering from serious problems, we strongly encourage you to enlist professional help. 
And all U.S. sequestering members have access to free 24-7 counseling services through the Mental Health First Aid Hotline. And that number is 1-800-633-3353. And there are plenty more national services, such as the NAMI Helpline, which is a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with mental health conditions, their family members, caregivers, um, mental health providers, and the public. And that number is 1-800-950-NAMI, which those numbers are 6264. And like, I'm really excited to to take this episode on today because like I said, like it is controversial. I don't want to say that I'm a mental health professional, but we are living in, you know, what is supposed to be the easiest time of society everything's convenient we're supposed to be so connected like we have so much ability to reach each other and you know be with each other but it's actually a time where we're having a lot of problems with anxiety and depression and like feeling very lonely and um i think too in the horse world sometimes like it's following a passion and it's very much um, you know, a first world thing of horses are not a necessity anymore like they were back in the day. Like this is a choice to continue our life with horses and it is quite a privilege to do so. And in having that privilege, sometimes you don't feel like you can give yourself the permission to experience the dark downside problems that come along with just everyday life because you know, not everything is going to be good all the time. So kind of want to talk about that. But before we really, really get into that topic, we'll do um, our housekeeping lighter end of the, you know, episode stuff. So Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about your word for the year? Yeah, I do. But first, I just want to touch on because I think like you made some really good points about why this episode, like we feel strongly about it. And are um like have been wanting to do an episode on this but also i think the timing is pretty good right now um just because of you know the coronavirus and there's a lot of anxiety surrounding that so like which can lead to other other issues so hopefully some of these um things that we discuss will maybe give you some tools to relieve some of that anxiety so I love it. Anyway, yeah. So going back to um, the the word of the year, which in previous episodes, I'm sure you guys know that we we talk about what word we chose for the year, which is kind of like our guide to, to bring us back to where we want to be when things maybe aren't going our way or even when they are just kind of a reminder. And um, my word is believe, and I'm really glad that I chose this word. It's been a real game changer for my mental state this year, and it's just kind of helped me quiet negative self-talk that tends to come up. And it just reminds me that because of my hard work and dedication, I have the skills needed to excel at whatever task is at hand. Um, And, you know, specifically my writing aspect of of life uh and it's just been i mean this year's been pretty amazing for uh me and barry 
and Barry's my horse for those of you who aren't aware um, but we've been having a great season and I really do think like a lot of it has been just the change in my um, mental game a little bit so finding a word that can help you with that I think is really powerful so that is my word and then as far as goals for this year um, one of my goals was to sign up for like a vegan meal service so I'm sure you guys have all seen ads for Blue Apron I can't think of others I'm currently using Green Chef but you know there's like a ton of them I think there's there. one called like Green Plate too or like yeah. Trifecta mean, like I don't even know Sun yeah. Basket I think yeah Sun Basket um, that's one I I happen to go with Green Chef because I don't know, I saw one of their ads, they were running like a good promotion, um, you know, like discount on meals, and I like that it was organic, and um, they had plant-based options, and I just, I've really been enjoying it, I've made some really fun meals, it's gotten me in the kitchen more, and like more comfortable cooking, which I've gotten more comfortable cooking throughout the years, but this is kind of fun, because they're recipes that I wouldn't necessarily choose to make. Um, not because they aren't delicious or look delicious, but there's like a lot of ingredients, but what's nice about the meal service is like, they give you exactly what you need and nothing more. And I think that that's sometimes what stops me from, um, making some fun meals is like, if I have to buy like 10 ingredients at the store and I'm only using like a little bit of a spice, but it's, you know. A lot of money because spices are expensive um you know it kind of makes me not quite as adventurous but this makes a really easy and pretty affordable option so i'm really enjoying that we are not sponsored by green chef but if anyone is listening we could be so <laughs> i really i really like it anyone and in I the green chef ceo department <laughs> call us yeah. up exactly if you have a connection we'd love to know about it. So, and it's funny, like right before I sat down to record, I made this delicious meal and, um, yeah, it was this green pea falafel with tahini and it was, there's this couscous with like beets and orange zest. And then there's a really nice salad with chard and orange and cranberry and pecans. Like the whole meal was delicious. So I highly suggest it, and I am digging that I put that goal on my list this year. Um, so, Tyler, what about you? Tell me about your what's going on in your life for well, 2020. First of all, I would just like to say I call them pecans, not Pecan? not pecans. Pecans just sounds more Pe- proper, I think. Pecan. Pecan. That's like maybe that's just like. A southern thing. I feel like pecan is pecan, much more... Pecan pie. Ugh. Okay. Um, Not to pecan pie, but that, just the way you say I don't it. know. I don't know why um, it makes me think of this, but there's the one scene in... Um, Oh my god, I'm not... It's the animated movie with the car, Lightning McQueen. Cars! It's called Cars. cars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the movie with the car? Oh, Cars? Yeah, that one. Um, yeah. And they talk about the piston cup, and the rusty old truck goes, he did what in his cup? 
Um, anyways. <laughs> I don't really know how that ties in, but we're going to go with it. I, I, when I said pecan, I like kind of thought I sounded like I was saying pee in a can, but oh, it's okay. Okay. Um, Good. Good tie-in. So, connection right. is my word of the year. Um, and so, here's a fun game that I'm playing in honor of my word of the year. Um, when I don't know some what something is, like, a fact or a word, instead of Googling it, like, I ask one of my friends, I'll, I'll text them or call them or ask one of the girls in the barn because I feel like in this day and age we have our phone and everyone's like, oh, I wonder what this is. And, like, you just go on your phone and you never have to talk to anyone about it. Yeah. And, and your questions never go unanswered. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, you know what? Instead of Googling things, I'm just going to ask my friends. And so that's been a fun little game that I'm playing, yeah. which anyone over the age of 40 is probably like, wow, that's a game <laughs> that used to be my life. Yeah. Um, but I'm so, tra- you know, I'm, slightly less efficient than Google, but you're making good connections. I'm so trying it out. I, 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 think, like it. I think people over 40 probably had a better time being 25 than I'm having being 25 because like there's just information everywhere and I get to know everything and sometimes it's great but sometimes I'm like I just want to be more connected with my community so I like that so I have a question related to this yes what has been your favorite um question that you've had to ask people okay yeah well it's the one that comes to mind is um, I've been listening to hip hop music recently, and oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. <laughs> I actually made Emily listen to this hip hop music with me at Red Hill. She's not a fan, but I'll make her a believer. Um, well, just just the particular songs that you had me listening to, I, you know, uh, I, I've I've heard better. So I like them. Um, but there's there's this word clout that comes up in a lot of these hip-hop songs, and uh-huh. I didn't know what clout was. So instead of Googling what does clout mean, I messaged one of my good friends back home, and he gave me the definition of clout and made fun of me for not knowing what it meant, which is just, it's just fun. It's a fun game. I like it. I support your game. Um, so I'm going to keep playing that game, so if I ask you a fact, you'd be like, this is Tyler making an effort to be more connected. Um, as far as goals go, um, the one I'm going to touch on that, like, is not going to be successful is I made a goal to go on at least one date a month, and I just feel like in the current (laughs) pandemic state, I'm not going to be able to, like, just go on a date with someone online. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem safe. That's not social distancing. Right, um, yeah. I think we'll give you a pass on that, though, because I think that's just smart um, to, to not date until this is settled down. But, I mean, if anyone who's testing negatively for the coronavirus <laughs> that knows me and safely wants to go on a six feet apart date in March, before March, the end of March, then you can help me get my March date in and I won't um, have to scrap that goal. So that's a shout out to our listeners. I I suppose that would mean you would need to make sure you were negative. I guess that is also true, but I guess we could also just wash our hands, wear masks, and be and like, actually, there is a movie called Six Feet Apart that's about um, these two 
kids with cystic fibrosis that fall in love. Oh man. Oh man. Tearjerker. Oh man, you have no idea. I was like bawling my eyes out through that movie, but we could have like a cute date and I'll bring a broom and we'll stay broom distance apart. We'll we'll go for a walk in the woods. Middle school dances and stuff, kind of like that. If this sounds interesting to you and you think it's the start of our love story, um, (laughs) you can connect with us. Send me an email at the whole question with Tyler. (laughs) Well, just Tyler because Emily's married. But um, speaking of being married, Emily. Well, actually, that's uh, I. It was a really good segue, but I'm not going to segue it because I think we wanted to shout out some of our listeners' words for the year. Oh, right. Yeah, so I posted on our social media, like, our words with cool pictures, and then we had some really good comments, so I'm just going to share a few of those. So one of our listeners said um, that she's actually been picking a word for years and it's fun to like know that other people do that so we love that and her saying this year it's not a word but it's a saying and I think it's quite good is stay in your lane um so that she doesn't get involved in other stuff and get derailed from what she is trying to focus on so I think that's great some other ones were confidence um now which is good action we had a couple actions which was my word last year um, authenticity, uh, patience, stronger, motivation, um, balance, yes, all good words. So thank you so much for engaging with us, and we love to, like, hear what you guys are up to. I absolutely yeah. love it. Like, then one of my favorite things about this podcast and the whole equestrian is just interacting with you guys as listeners, so please... If you're listening to this and you wanted to say something to us, but you've been shy or you just haven't had the time, please take the time. Even if you're not giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which, like, is amazing, just, like, send send us a message on Facebook, comment on a social media post, interact, and spread the word. Exactly. It kind of keeps the wind in our sails, right? Oh, yeah. And, And with that, Emily... I think it's time for books, books, books. Delayed reaction. I know. I was like, what is it time for? Oh, right. It's our favorite segment. But don't worry, guys. (laughs) Next time, Emily and I will be next to each other, and this will be a lot more natural and smooth than it is. Right. It's, It's just so much easier when we can, like, make eye contact and, like, encourage each other with hand signals. Like, hey, you should talk now. You know, that sort of thing. So, But here we go. Books, books, books. What have you been reading, Emily? (laughs) Um, I am reading The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And um, I've been wanting to read this for a while, and there's always references. I'm sure you've heard people reference this book a lot. Yes, I'm, I'm looking at my copy that's sitting on my shelf that I've had for probably six months now. So, yeah. I haven't read it yet. It's a good read, it's interesting, uh, and it's helpful whether you're in a romantic relationship or not. Uh, Learning how to speak someone's love language to show love in a way that they understand um, is basically what the book is about. And so uh, Dr. Chapman says that there are five love languages, 
words of which are words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And it just kind of breaks down each one of these and um, gives you ideas if like this is your partner's love language. So, again, it doesn't have to be romantic. It can just be like even a, a friend or you know family or whatever. Um, it just kind of breaks down what they find important and like how you can express love in a language that they understand. And yeah, it just it's a good good read, and I think it's going to be really helpful in lots of relationships. And then and that's as far as like. Do you have different love languages as far as giving and receiving love? Uh, well, so what you're supposed to do is, like, you personally have your primary love language, right? That is how you want to receive love or, like, how you perceive, like, whether or not someone loves you, right? So, um, so that's one. And then you have to figure out whoever you're trying to show love to, like what their love language is, and then show them in a way that they understand. So basically, you have to learn to speak their language. It's interesting, because like, I feel like I'm a gift giver, like I love to give people gifts. And like, that's part of like the way that I show people I care about them. And it's not like big stuff. Like I love to like, just like little surprises of like, I like to show you, I know that we talked about something you like and here I am in the conversation, but like, I don't necessarily like need anyone to do that for me. Like part of, of me feeling the love for someone is like doing nice things for other people. Yeah. But, um, I'll have to read the book, I guess. Yeah, you'll have to read the book, but that is interesting because, you know, it, it suggests that ways that are easy for you to show love are typically the ways that you want to receive love if that makes sense right but what you're saying is like you like to give gifts but you don't necessarily need gifts to feel loved right you know what I mean so yeah read the book and like there might be some more insight into that um but yeah like kind of breaking that down I think you might actually be more of like the quality time and gifts just happen to be like an extension of that. Like, so you were saying how you like to give gifts based on spending time with someone and then like noticing that they might appreciate something and then giving them a gift based on that. You know what I mean? So maybe gifts aren't your primary language, but quality time is, and it just ties in. I don't know. You'll have to see for yourself, but It's an interesting thing. And at the back of the book, there's like this quiz that helps you figure out what your primary love language is. Yeah. Um, And mine is words of affirmation. But uh, acts of service are like a very close second. And which is surprising because I actually thought acts of service might be like my number one. But Uh and then words of affirmation. But I think they're pretty, pretty much even. Um, so in case anyone wants to express some love for me, that is the way to do it. Emily, I love you and I think you're fantastic. Oh, thank you. I can live on a compliment for a while. Good. So anyway, what about you? What are you reading? So, um, I've been doing a little bit more fiction. So I picked up another fiction book that was called How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia. 
Um, and it was interesting. It was definitely, like, a big picture to think about, like, what you're actually chasing after in life. Because I won't spoil the whole plot, but it basically, like, follows this guy from, like, young age to old age and a girl that, like, he had, like, a little love fling thing with when they were younger. But they both go out and, like, he becomes an entrepreneur and she becomes an actress and, like, they never quite get together and he's unhappy in his marriage and yada 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 but at the end of the book they're they're old and together um and it's interesting the way that it's written because every the beginning of every chapter talks about like uh self-help books from like kind of a meta perspective so like the beginning of the book says look unless you're writing one a self-help book is an oxymoron you read a self-help book so someone who isn't yourself can help you. That's someone being the author. This is true of the whole self-help genre. And I just thought that was really funny because, like, I don't know, I think a lot of people think that, like, self-help, you know, they kind of roll their eyes at the self-help genre. Right. Um, but, like, self-help isn't really self-help. It's personal improvement. Yeah, um, and growth and all and growth that. and yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good read. I enjoyed it. It was, um, I found that one through Tim Ferriss, who is a, you know, angle investor guy. He does a podcast and, um, he's like, does the lifestyle design. I'm actually starting another one of his books called The 4-Hour Workweek right now. Um, but I've only just started to dive into that one, so I'm not going to talk too much about the topic of that. Um, and then the, oh, so he's the one that he read the book and recommended it. So that's why I read that book. Um, but the other book that I read that I really, really enjoyed, and I think that everyone should get a copy and support, um, was In the Middle Are the Horsemen by Tick Maynard. Um, and I just thought it was great. I usually, I used to read a lot of horse books, like, back in college, but I think... Yeah. Now that I've been in the horse industry so long, I, like, kind of, I spend so much time in the horses. Like, I usually like to take books where I can do parallel references, but this uh, this was, like, about the horse industry. But it's it's cool for me because there's so many references to people who I've had personal experiences with throughout the book. And it's, it's just kind of funny. Like, it made me smile um, when Tick was talking about the first time he met Sinead. Um, he was working for the O'Connors, and Max Corcoran was grooming for them, and I guess Sinead called Max looking for a groom, and Max sent Tick, like, to Rocking Horse, which is literally in Altoona, like, you know, it's one of our local shows that we go to all winter down here, and so here I'm thinking about, like, Sinead and Tick, who are together, and, like, Max, who's my next-door neighbor down here at this show, but, uh, I'm reading it in a book, so that was kind of fun. Um, and there were a lot of quotable moments through the book, but one that really stuck with me was um, talking about a working student position that he had, and he said, why did I stay as long as I did when I was unhappy? Should I have stayed even though I was unhappy? Would I have had the courage to leave his stable if I hadn't been dismissed? It's a curious thing. Sometimes it takes more gut to quit a job, no matter how unsatisfying it is, 
than to stick with it. And so I think that like really ties into what we want to go over in today's episode of like, you know, sometimes the reality of the horse world and these working student positions is like just really, you know, not mentally healthy environments and you have this voice inside your head saying like, well, if I'm not happy, like this is just how it's supposed to be. And this is like how people make it to the top. But, um, you know, I like how he says it takes more courage to stay than it does to like say, hey, no, I'm unhappy and like go find something better for yourself. Yeah. So it takes more courage to leave. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Should I have stayed? Yeah. Would I have had the courage? Sometimes it takes more gut to not yeah yeah and I mean that's true because like you know you can feel like you really should just stick it out but if it's not a good situation you might just need to you know dig deep find some courage and get the heck out yeah yeah but most people will just be like oh okay well like this is just this is just my life now right and just accept it so um yeah, no, I, I like that. That's great. Cool. So, so, shall we dive into the main topic for today? I think we shall. Um, why don't you start us off? Take us away on mental health and body image, Tyler. Okay, well, um, there's a lot of different angles that we can take to talk about, like, these topics, so we might bounce around a little bit, but I just want to, like, kind of give something to everyone to take away who's ever had, you know, a rough time, whether it's dealing with, like, actual depression and anxiety or just, like, some symptoms of, like, feeling unhappy or mentally unwell. And I think it's a really good time to talk about how tying up your happiness into horse shows and results can be extremely uh, harming to your mental health because, you know, Right now, it's very extreme, like, most of the governing bodies of equestrian sports have kind of put us on hold for a little bit, which is going to ruin or reroute a lot of people's seasons, um, as far as everything is concerned of that, but this can happen at any time. You can get hurt, your horse can get hurt, um, and if you're tying up everything into the actual event itself, then that's dangerous because these things are not, like, we cannot control our, our current situation. Um, so Emily, I know that I talked to you a little bit about this, um, when you entered Kentucky, you said, I'm so emotional, Tyler, like, it doesn't feel real. I, laughed and cried and like wanted to curl up a ball in in the corner and I was like you know what Emily I'm really excited because no matter what happens you're going to be able to share your experience and it's going to help someone because you can make it to Kentucky and it can go great and you can inspire someone else to follow that dream or something horrible is going to happen and you can Right, right. But like, you know, like there are like there are literal like 
the stories of people who finally make it to Kentucky and then their horse, like, gets there and, like, is lame or is literally, like, popping an abscess on the jog strip or, you know, like, all these little things that can happen, like, you just can't control them in the horses. Or so. the coronavirus shuts everything down. Right. And, you know, the first time I can enter a five-star, it doesn't happen. But, you know, there are bigger problems in the world, and luckily we have a five-star in the fall if, if all goes to shit, I, wa- I was thinking <laughs> that this could be very good for Fair Hill. Right. It could be. Silver so, lines um, I mean, I'm still holding on hope that Kentucky is going to happen that we stay together, um, and all, all of those well, but you just don't know, and I think you have to realize that, like, things are out of your control, and you just have to be flexible and fluid, and, again, not tied to a certain thing, like, you just need to go with the flow a little bit, and not that you're, you're just letting things happen to you. Like, you still have to be part of it, but you just need to be able to accept what is happening and just do your best with the situation. And it's simply, like, a mental switch, right? So, like, yeah. it's like, this is important to me, but it's not everything to me. And, mm-hmm. and that's, it goes on so many levels because even if the event does happen what happens the day after the event. This is all about, like we've talked in an episode before, investing in the process. Do you enjoy what you're doing on the day-to-day? And would you do it if there was nothing else there? Yeah. And some people would say no, and that's great. Go figure out what you want to do on a day-to-day basis, even if nobody's watching. I think that's like... That's what you need to, like, what it really comes down to is, like, do you enjoy what you're doing even when no one's watching? Yeah, for sure. And as we've said many times, like, this is too hard of a sport to not enjoy the daily grind. And grind's not even the right word. But you know what I mean? Like, you just need to enjoy the process because it's it's such a hard sport. And, um things there's a lot of variables and things out of your control and so you just have to kind of be along for the the whole journey and not just one event or one big goal like you have to look at the big picture and be happy with it and I think another um trap that we get into as equestrians is like just like continuing to pack on like, what we need to do in the day. Uh, and it's not just a question. It's, it's society today. It's like, you know, we have to do more um, just so that we can... I'm stealing Michael Gervais quote right now. We gotta do more so we can be more. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, for me, I genuinely enjoy most of the activities that go into being a groom and a bar manager. Like, when I get to, like, stop and, like, braid a horse, that's, like, a very, like mindful activity for me it's very like peaceful it's very calming I like mucking stalls I don't even like care like I actually enjoy picking paddocks but when all of a sudden like the go switch gets flipped so far in the wrong direction that it's like all of this stuff has to happen and it has to happen right now it's not fun anymore right and And it's not always going to be fun but um 
you know, and I, I know you're not saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, there is, there is always going to be a level of, like, embrace the suck and, like, you have to do certain things so that you get to do other things, but I'm just, like, I've actually been thinking about it a lot because last month I was reading that book, Advances in Flow Research, um, and so flow is, like, this, this peak performance zone. So if what you're doing is not enough of a challenge, then you'll be bored. But if it's too much of a challenge, you'll be anxious. And I think I felt this on both ends of the spectrum. Like, um, in the beginning, when I started working as a vet tech, it was all very exciting to me. And I was like, this is a challenge. I just want to step up to the challenge. But as I figured out the job and, like, you know, really got the tasks working, all of a sudden I fell into that boredom phase because I was like, this is old news, I'm not learning anything anymore. Um, which, like, you can always be learning things, but, you know, like, there is, it's easy to fall into that trap. And then I think on the other side of things, like, a lot of times working with the upper-level horses in the fast-paced environment, I get pushed too into the anxious mode of, like, I want, there's all this stuff I love to do and I want to do it really well and I'm freaked out right now because I can't do everything I want to do to the quality that I want and then it's just like a panic. Yeah, I know that feeling as I'm sure most listeners have felt that in some way. Yeah, and it's not just those who have been in full-time industries in the horse industry. Like, I'm sure that our listeners that are balancing a life outside of horses, you know, having kids or you know, a real life job and then trying to go ride your horse after work, like same thing can happen with the piling up and anxiety. Yeah. And trying to eat healthy and working out and yeah, it's just you get a lot on your plate and um, it makes each thing a little less tasty. Yeah. And I, I think some, like, I think I used to, I used to thrive in the go zone. Like, it was yeah. almost my escape from, like, real feelings and emotions that I, like, needed to deal with. I was yeah. like, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just go work really hard and, yeah. like, exhaust myself. And I still do it to some extent. Um, but if you really, like, physically cannot slow down and sit still and feel okay there's something that needs to be addressed. I I think that's a really important point to touch on because when you're just go, go, going all the time, like you never have to just stop and think. And I'm definitely guilty of this as well. Like when there's things in my life that I don't really want to handle, just if I stay busy, like I have an excuse to not deal with it, right? Um, And that's why I think meditation has been really helpful because like you have to sit and be with your emotions and kind of work through some of that stuff and then you start to appreciate how slowing down can actually be really beneficial to your life yeah so when I was a a working student um like early on in the working student years I think it was uh, maybe my second or third year going down to Aiken but um I was still I'm still quite young Mm -hmm. and I had definitely just, like, wound myself up in in this idea that, like, I just needed to be all horses all the time, and I would 
wake up in the morning and it was when I had just started to try to get into fitness and I was really like trying really really hard to eat healthy and like do my sit-ups before work and then after work I was like trying to read all these things about horses and I just I just wanted to be the best horsewoman I could be Mm -hmm. and um I mean, we were busy, like, as it goes. We were just swamped. And I remember on my day off thinking, okay, I just need to not do anything today. And the the feeling of anxiety of not going and doing completely overwhelmed me. I was sitting on my couch, I was watching a movie, and I was like, I literally can't sit here. Like my, my heart was beating really fast and I felt very unsettled. And I ended up like trying to like go for, I'm not a good runner. Well, like, you know, I've talked about my relationship with running before, but I like tried to go for a run. I don't know what happened, but I, I literally ended up in a trailer tack room. I crawled up into the peak and I was having a panic attack because like, I didn't have a job to do and I didn't realize at the time like how unhealthy that was yeah and I think that it's very important to have an outlet for some of that um and and I do really enjoy my physical fitness routines for that now and like as I've learned about like anxiety and panic attacks and everything like that there's actually like a part of your brain, you know, like the fight or flight response, like we're made to fight or flight, like for our lives where, you know, you hear something in the tree and you got to say, is that a saber toothed tiger trying to eat me? That's the kind of like mechanisms of hormones that are going on in our brain. And I think like at the time I just didn't have the proper outlet. I was always switched on. And so everything was going in the wrong direction. Um, and so, now I kind of lay my life out very methodically. I have my time to sit alone, but I also have my time to go to the gym and like really let some of those hormones surge and and go out and release because when you don't do that, like you're going to start freaking out about things like sitting in traffic and it's going to really like upset you and disturb you because you're not having some sort of outlet to let all right. those feelings flow through and so it's gonna come out in really weird ways where yep. you're like wow that was extreme um yeah the mind is weird the mind is weird and I'd so... like to learn even more about it but um you I mean, can watch yeah. a lot of TED talks and educate yourself because it's really interesting to hear other people's stories and what they've gone through um and I'm not saying like you know you you have to have a panic attack to, like, realize it. And I think Emily and I, when we were talking about this episode um, of mental health and body image, um, which is, you know, people don't like to admit that they struggle with their mental health. And uh, Emily's been fortunate enough not to have serious mental health. Like, she's like, I've never had a panic attack. I'm like, that's fantastic, but that doesn't mean just because you haven't had a panic attack doesn't mean you haven't struggled with something like yeah go like the go 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 leads to burnout which I know is something that you're very familiar with Emily yes I definitely am familiar with burnout and again it's just do 
due to the the demands of like being in a top program where you know there's just a lot going on all the time and again I love love what I do you know I work for great people it's it's all good but it's still it's a lot and especially as the season goes on um, and you get further into the year it just starts to kind of build up and and get to you a bit and last year I really struggled with it and also um, some of I think some of my competition issues were related to just feeling so um, mentally fatigued that I couldn't perform to the best of my ability. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely went through through a lot of just like, not even outward things that people would necessarily notice, but just in my head, you know, it's like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Like, you know, at one point I was just like, I'm just going to sell Barry, which is crazy to say because I freaking love that horse. Anyone who knows me and him, you know, like I was just like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, he's a great horse. I want someone to be able to like take and do all these wonderful things with him. Maybe it's just not me. Like I was, and which is crazy because now talking about it and looking back, I'm like, we have an amazing partnership. Like we went through some rough patches last year. Again, I think a lot of it had to do with just mental fatigue more than actual ability. Um, and so it just took a lot of work on my part, you know, as, as you guys know, we like to read books. I tried to find things to help with that. Um, and just doing some reflection and, you know, why am I feeling this way? And, and that, really helped and it it was a, a bit of a struggle but I'm happy to say I think I've learned some tools and figured out how to stop burnout before it starts or at least notice when it's kind of starting and then take action and do something about it so um and also going along with this just just an important reminder and I think Tyler you may have told me this is like never quit on a bad day I didn't really think about quitting but like there were days where I was like what why I think you did I think you did you you were like I'm done and I said Emily you can't quit on a bad day which is great because it's like you can't when your emotions are high and like on the negative side that's not the time to make big life decisions right like if you are having a good day and you're like, you know what? I just don't want to do this. That's like a completely different um, story than if you're just reacting to like these negative emotions. So I think that's fantastic advice. And that really helped me because then when I had a good day, I was like, you know what? I do love this. I don't want to do anything else. Um, So words of wisdom by our very own Tyler Held. Yeah, someone else probably said it first, but that's okay. (laughs) But reiterated by Tyler. Um, yes. And I, I kind of want to, like, expand on that, like, thought of, like, never quitting on a bad day. Because I recently had, like, kind of experienced this, um that, like, overwhelming feeling of, like, not loving and enjoying the things about horses that you used to. And it's, like, it's so frustrating because not only are you, like, not feeling it, like, you're not feeling the job, you're not feeling the activities, you're also mad at yourself 
for not feeling it. Because you're like, this is my dream. This is what I, like, want to do. This is what I love. And I, I love to talk to people about their experience with the horse industry. I think that's, like, kind of what's helped me keep inspired with the whole equestrian and everything like that. And a lot of grooms that I talk to say, I'm just going to do this job until I get burnt out or... You know, like, I got so burnt out, I'm just, like, gonna go home and, like, take a break. And I am, like, little Miss Energizer Bunny, and I'm, like, go, 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 go. Like, all I want to do is, like, be managing a top program, be, like, having these wonderful horses. And I, like, knock on wood, I have a barn full of beautiful horses right now. And I was at Red Hills with Emily, and I was, like, I... I'm, I've exhausted myself, I've done too much, and I'm tired, and, like, all the horses performed well, and I, for 90% of that weekend, I was like, I do not want to be here, and I had to remind myself to not quit on a bad day, and I, I got through that patch, and, like, the world is kind of weird right now, and we're just taking it one day at a time, but, like, that feeling is very real, and I think realizing, like, some of the things that go into um, what makes people healthy and happy, uh, nutrition, mindset, fitness, community, thats those are our pillars. And when I'm looking at why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, I'm like, my community is in Aiken and Pennsylvania, and I'm not with them, and I'm unhappy because of it. And... Because I'm not with my community, I'm feeling bad about myself, I've let my nutrition slide, and now I'm not eating as healthy as I used to. And because I'm not eating as healthy as I used to, I'm not able to put as much vigor into my fitness routine. And now, like, everything just falls off the charts. So when that happens, when that burnout happens, when you hit that wall, just taking some time to reflect, and now it's like, okay... Well, I'm really excited to go back to my community in Pennsylvania, but how can I prevent this from happening next year? And, um, you know, getting my nutrition back on track slowly one day at a time, it's like, okay, you didn't do as well as you usually do today, but that doesn't mean you won't tomorrow. And I actually ordered, like, a detox because I was like, I just need to, like, completely reset myself. And um, I'm feeling very motivated to make those changes right now. Good. Yeah, and just taking action, you know, noticing first and then taking action. Like, everybody's going to be in a slump at some point. Like, it's just, it happens. But um, I think what you were saying about the pillars and just noticing how, like, if one thing's off, it tends to snowball and start affecting all the other things. Um, And also, I think to prevent burnout, really turning to your community can help and having other people understand. And I I think maybe I'm talking more specifically to employers and that sort of thing, like realizing that this, this is a serious issue in the horse industry is burnout. And so as leaders um, and people who employ others like I think it's an important thing to understand and try to help so that you don't lose good staff yeah I think like time is obviously always going to be an issue in this industry as it is in any industry but I think that 
a lot of people feel like they don't have enough time to spend with people that they love. And I think that that should be a shift and finding ways to give your staff enough time to stay connected with the people um, in their lives that are important to them would make um, healthier, more productive, and more people that want to stay in this industry for a lot longer period of time. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, community is just so important, which is why it is one of our pillars. Yes. Um, Another little cultural shift I want to talk about is kind of this unhealthy expectation of working through injury, um, which is like, you know, on some ends of the spectrum, it's very inspirational how tough we are and how gritty we are. Um, but from a lot of aspects, uh, the self care. So I had a a health teacher that said, if you don't take care of your body, then where will you live? And I used to roll my eyes at that sign. And I might've said this before on a podcast, but I'm going to repeat it because it's important and it ties into this episode. Um, And I think about that a lot now, like we have a culture in eventing that's like, you know, if you fall in horses in general, if fall back, like if you fall off, you're going to the hospital or you're getting back on. And even if you go to the hospital, most of the time you're getting back on the next day. Uh, And I love it. Like get back on the horse. You definitely have to get back out there. But like to what extent? Like, if you're going to get back on the horse and it's going to really affect the quality of your life into the future and the long term and you're going to be an old person who cannot stand up straight or, like, has all sorts of problems, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I'm, personally, to me it's not. Now, to other people it might be. Like, you have to kind of weigh the the pros and cons but again kind of going back to the where will you live if you you wreck your body right you only have one body like you get one shot so you better take some good care of it and like if you want to live a long healthy productive life like you need to care when you're injured and you need to do what's best for your body um and Last year, I, I had an issue with my back. I was I was actually in Aiken. It was like probably around this time last year, actually. So towards the end of our stay in Aiken. And I had been having some back pain, but nothing abnormal. Because like I've had back pain on and off for years, but um, manageable, right? But one day I was riding a horse, and I had ridden a bunch that day, but I was jumping this one horse, and I just had this sharp shooting pain in my back, and I, like, literally, like, I had to stop right then and there. Like, I could not keep moving. And so, you know, I come back to the barn almost in tears, like, barely get off the horse without just screaming. And um, so I took, took some time. The next my back was still sore the next day I was like well I'm gonna try riding because that's what you do right especially when you're a rider like and that's your job so got on couldn't ride you know like as soon as I started to post the trot like sharp shooting pain horrible 
So I was like, all right, this clearly something's wrong. You know, I know my body, I know this isn't right. Um, and it took a while to figure out exactly what was going on because, you know, with me being in South Carolina, but my insurance is in Pennsylvania, like I couldn't get any um, real, you know, test scans done, um, which was frustrating. So I knew I was in pain, but I couldn't really do anything about it. Um, and then you kind of go into the mental game, like, well, am I just being a wimp? Do I need to push through this? Like, but at the end of the day, I knew something was wrong. And then when I finally got back to Pennsylvania and was able to see a doctor up there, you know, I had an MRI and found out that I tore a disc in my lower back. Um, and so, you know, as much as that sucks, it was great to like know that there was a reason behind it. Cause for a while I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like I can't ride, you know, but like you just go through this weird thing and pain does strange things to your mind. Like I was definitely not my normal self. Like I usually am pretty steady and even, and I just was like a lot more emotional than usual and whatever. But the point being like, you need to know your body. And if something doesn't feel right, there's probably a good reason and you really should um, do some work to figure it out so that you can then take the best uh, recovery. You can come up with the best recovery plan. Um, and for me, I ended up getting my back injected, started doing more core work to help strengthen all of, you know, my back muscles and my core muscles and um, touch wood, my back's been pretty good, but I, you know, it's a tough thing. And in this industry, like injuries are just, they happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard when it's your livelihood. Um, a lot of us, it's, it's luckily like not our livelihood, but even like, you know, when I broke my collarbone, I, you know, I took three days off and I went back to the barn and I took such pride in the fact that I, you know, went right back to work. And if my collarbone hadn't healed properly and I had pain for the rest of my life, I don't think I would be very proud of it. Right. And you never know when you're going to be crossing that line. Yeah. So giving it time or, you know, at least the time it needs. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So we've got a, we've got a few, like we've got a lot to talk about as far as mental health is concerned, because it's something that you constantly have to advocate for. Um, but I think we'll kind of like just do a brief touch of the rest of these topics because I think this episode is pretty long already and we've got a little bit of body image and listener questions that we want to talk about um but I do want to touch base on like a few of, of these notes that we have here Emily so um we talked about the concept of satisfied striving do you want to introduce that a little bit or do you want me to take that well I think we all you know, want to, to get better and we're always striving to do the next thing. Um, but this, this can take away from the present moment and just being like satisfied with where we're at now or, um, happy with what we've accomplished. Right. So it's just finding that balance. And when you're always constantly striving, that can create some 
anxiety and that whole not good enough feeling. Um, so just being happy with where you're at, but still wanting to, or knowing that there's room for growth, not that you have to do something right this second, but just knowing that you can do more while still being happy with what you have. I don't know. It's just, it's a very tricky line to walk, I think. And I think that's part of the the joy of life though is like finding that line like what are the ways that I can you know be here now accept and dream of something better and that's kind of where the bliss of life lives like you're not you can't be hating where you are and just like trudging through to get somewhere else and I mean I think it it can relate back to a lot of topics um and we haven't really introduced body image too much, like, I'll talk a a little bit about it later, but, um, like, as far as body image is concerned, there are some times where you need to be realistic. Like, if you legitimately are overweight and it's inhibiting your ability to perform actions, like, if you can't walk up the stairs without breathing heavily, there's probably excess weight on your body that needs to get removed for your health benefit. Um, and like there's habit changes that occur to make that, but it's not all going to happen at once. Like you're not just going to make the realization of like, here's a problem, I need to change it. And it's going to be completely, you know, fixed in one day. So you have to be accepting of the skill that you're in while striving for a better, healthier version of yourself. Yeah, good example. Um, and then... Um, this is another, like, just, I just wanted to, like, touch on this little nitbit here because it's something that I've been, like, thinking about and I don't know, like, it could be my doctorate work. We will see. Um, does happiness exist in specialty? So wanting to get really, really good at one thing. And I haven't read this book yet, but some research just came out on this called, um, and the book was called Ranged Why General generalist triumph in a specialized world. Um, I was talking to Emily's mom at Red Hills actually about this topic and I was like, I've just decided that it's so fun to be enthusiastic and bad at something. Like, I just love trying things for the new time and being horrible at them, but like giving myself a pat on the back for the things I'm doing right. And I'll use the example I went down to, um, meet my jujitsu coach. Um, his parents are in Southern Florida. So I went down to meet them and we were playing a game called pickleball, which is like ping pong on a tennis court. I don't even know what it was, (sighs) but it was like tennis and you have to hit the ball like into a court. Right. And I am just flailing this ball every which direction, like, not hitting it in the lines at all. I hit it over the fence. I hit it, like, in the wrong direction. The wind is blowing. It's just a disaster. I'm not scoring any points, but I'm, like, having the time of my life and, like, just so excited every time I'm hitting the ball. And so I think that a lot of times my tie back to the horse world is, like, a lot of times people try to, like, be so, so good at one thing that, like, 
they forget how fun it is to just, like, figure it out at the beginning. Like, before you knew exactly how you were supposed to, like, do every little thing as far as riding is concerned, like, you probably had fun jumping across yeah. rail, you know? Just, like, going for it and jumping it and, like, not knowing when you're supposed to get into two point or whatever, but just, like, going over it and letting yourself feel it out and, you know, throw caution to the wind. Um, and some people don't know how to learn by laughing at themselves, but that's something that I've always been really good at, and I think that's something that we need to encourage more um, from a mental health standpoint is, like, stop striving for perfection and just, like, learn how to enjoy and laugh at the process of being really terrible at things sometimes. I love that. I love that. That's so great. Um, so another thing we wanted to touch on was nutrition and how that can affect your mental health. And you, you kind of talked about this earlier when you were saying how, like, the community slipped and then the nutrition slipped and the exercise. So it's just all tied together. But what's your um, personal experience with like nutrition and its effect on your mental health? Um, so I have celiac disease. And when I was diagnosed with celiac disease, it was a very hard time of my life. I was dealing with a lot of life changes I had just graduated from college and I was, you know, a working student and it was just, there was a lot going on. Um, but it was interesting, like when I got diagnosed with the disease, I started doing research about it. And one of the symptoms of celiac disease was anxiety and depression. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I don't feel very happy right now. And not that like, that's what anxiety and depression is, but like I was I was suffering and I was very interested to learn why that was because celiac disease is a gut issue basically like my gut was destroyed well serotonin is produced in the gut like partially and there's something called a gut brain axis and I don't want to like misquote any of the science or anything like that but basically a link to your mental health and happiness is in your gut. So if your gut's not healthy, you might not be mentally healthy either. And what I found was that as I started learning how to nourish my body and eat healthier, that my mental health improved. Yeah, no, that's, there's a lot to gut health and like your microbiome and its effects on your mental state. So I think that's good that you pointed that out. Uh, and for me, as far as nutrition goes, I um, luckily haven't had any serious issues with this, but I have, since switching to a plant-based diet, like I have had to be aware of my calorie intake and not like a, I'm counting calories and I can only have so many calories. It's more of a like, I need more calories in my life because, you know, plant-based foods are very nutrient dense, but calorie light. And earlier this year, I think we talked about it in, in an episode, I was just feeling really exhausted and kind of mentally foggy. And, um, you know, I, I realized that I wasn't getting enough calories in. Um, and so when I 
was able to fix that and start adding more into my diet. Like my, I all of a sudden like this fog was lifted. I had more energy. Um, so it's just, you need to be aware of what you're putting into your body um, and how it affects your mental well-being. And I think that's a, it's a good point too, is like if you're struggling with your mental health, take a step back and see like, okay, what can I do for myself right now? What are the factors of health that I'm missing out on? Is it my nutrition? Is it my community? Do I need to like get a good workout in and get some hormones busting out? Or, you know, what's happening? And if you like, obviously, if you can't fix it by yourself, like you do want to consult a mental health practitioner but being yeah. able to advocate for yourself as well. For sure. So one reason that people do start paying attention to their nutrition in the first place um, can come from like a negative place of an insecurity about body image. And so we just want to touch on body image a little bit because that is so related to your mental health. So this is a topic that's actually pretty near and dear to my heart because I unfortunately had a couple trainers along the way that told me I don't have the right body to be a rider. And in my early days of riding horses, I wanted to be a professional rider. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And I tried really hard. I, you know, I went to college. I had sports psychologists. I had personal trainers. I was like, I want to do this professionally and I'm going to work really hard at it. And I kind of learned the hard way that it takes a lot more than hard work. And um, unfortunately, like the kind of block that being told I didn't have the right body to be a rider really set me back. But this idea that like you need to have a certain body type to be a rider or a certain body type to do anything really, I mean, like obviously there are certain things like six foot five basketball players are going to be more effective at dunking a basket than a four foot two basketball player. But as far as riding is concerned, I really don't think there's like a particular body shape that you need to adhere to to ride. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it doesn't matter what sport you're in. Like people feel like they need to look a certain way when in reality, you just need to be able to perform a certain way. And like you were saying, some body types may have an advantage here and there, but, um, in general, it's like, can you perform? Um, and so I'm gonna, this is just an example that I, I think about sometimes. And this is, this is not a knock on the person um, but Buck Davidson, he's a great rider, right? But you look at him and you don't really think he has a rider's type of body, right? And this is, I'm not trying to be negative. This is just like not exactly what you would picture, right? But like the guy can freaking ride and he gets it done and he performs, right? So I think that's just a good um, example of just because you're you're not like tall and lean and whatever doesn't mean you can't be a good rider like you can again it's it's about that working hard um and then 
having the right mental attitude and just putting the time and effort in and uh, just performing. Again, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's can you do the job? And I, I actually, when I, when I first moved to Pennsylvania, I saw Emily. Yes, our beautiful Emily <laughs> in the flesh. She is like tall and skinny and gorgeous. And I just thought to myself, like, that's it. That's what I'm not. Like, that's what a rider's supposed to be. And that's what I'm not. And like, guys, I've got a big booty and I've got short arms and like, I don't know. It didn't work for me. I gave up. I, I did not follow my dreams of being a professional rider. But I don't regret it because now I'm like killing it as a groom. And I really feel comfortable in my body at jujitsu because it's really great for smashing other people. So, so there you go. Find your um, silver lining. Well, I, I must say, you must have um, been sucking up with words of affirmation there, and which I appreciate. <laughs> but anyway, um, and also just going along with like different body types, as far as whatever you look like and your body type, find a rider that you admire that is similar to your build and watch them either in person or in videos. And that can help you with your riding. Like watching someone that's more along your same lines, I think, can help you with small positional things um, and just trying to be more effective with what you have. Yep, and I would be cautious of being too over-analytical of what you look like compared to other people. Like, obviously, like, find good comparisons, but don't be like, I can't be... X because I don't look like Z and I also caution you to not you know focus on the scale as a matter of your body image like if you're if you need to be at a certain weight to feel healthy and fulfilled that's not always the best thing yes all right so I think that pretty much sums up what we wanted to cover today as far as the main topic before we jump into these listener questions. Is there anything else you want to add, Emily? No, I mean, obviously we covered a lot and it was more of a broad stroke than, you know, some detailed lines. Um, And almost we could do an episode on each one of these things and maybe in the future we will. Um, but I think hopefully that was helpful to you guys. And yeah, let's hear some listener questions. Okay. Um, one listener asks, I have a hard time bouncing back after having a bad ride or lesson, especially if the ride was unnerving. How can you calm your mind down when that anxiety kicks in? Sorry, I read that so weird. (laughs) That's okay. We'll let it slide. Well, first of all, like you should know that you are definitely not alone. And because of negativity bias, humans are prone to focusing on negative things more than positive things. And this is just programmed into us back in like caveman days when our ancestors had to be on the lookout for danger and notice the worst, just so that 
they could survive, right? And unfortunately, evolution didn't quite erase this trait, so it can be a real struggle to get past a bad experience. And what helps me the most is to remind myself of all the times I have ridden well. And if you can pick a specific memory where you totally like crushed it and get into detail by visualizing that moment or verbalizing what made it so great, um, that can be useful and kind of pull you out of that um, negative state of mind. And then also just being kind to yourself and acknowledging that mistakes are part of the process. And as we talk about a lot, like mistakes are how you grow and they're how you learn so that you can get even better. So um, I've also found using meditation to help with like non-attachment to the feelings that you're having or the situation. Like one moment, one situation does not define you or the feeling like the negative feeling you have doesn't have to define you. So just not attaching too much to the current situation, like it will pass, all things will pass, right? So I, to me, that's helpful. I don't know, what do you think, Tyler? I think you did a great job, Emily. I'm not even gonna expand on that because you okay. just like, you killed it, knocked the ball out of the park. I thought Fair I right. had a degree in sports psychology. Apparently, Emily got her degree in sports psychology too. Yeah, through osmosis, I just learned through you, so. All right, so our second listener question says, I would love to hear suggestions on how to get out of a funk, whether horse-related or not. I don't want to call it depression, but definitely close. I sometimes feel at the end of February, start of March, long, cold days, riding endless circles, seemingly going nowhere, not enough sunlight or sleep. What suggestions to help get yourself out of those holes well I think we've all experienced that funk that you're describing and I find the best thing to do is take action even if it's the last thing you want to do just start on something it can be small it can just be you know tell yourself okay I'm going to do this for five minutes and get started and usually once you start doing something like that's going to create more motivation and then you'll want to keep doing it um so that is helpful um and then you know it's just doing something is a much better way of dealing with that than just like binging netflix on your couch um not that that you know that does have a time and a place but when you're in that funk it's like that's going to be counterproductive, doing something to help pull yourself out of it. Yeah, um, find a friend, learn to s- yeah. learn a skill, do something. Um, I know, like, my funks have, you know, led me into the bookstore, walking down the sports psychology aisles, or even just, like, the psychology aisles, and um, learning more about my feelings and why I'm feeling that way has been really helpful. Yeah. For sure. And also, you know, you can find a mantra that you can say anytime you're feeling like that. So an example would be, it will get better. Or, I don't know, Tyler, do you have another possible example here? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I love that, Finding Nemo. <laughs> um, that's, that's a great one. I, 
I should have thought of that, but that's why we have each other, right? Exactly. Community. Community. And that <laughs> definitely is another way to help pull yourself out of the funk. Find find someone or, you know, join our, our Facebook community. Um, we, can, we can help, right? So Absolutely. We're always here for you guys. Definitely. And we're here for each other. <laughs> yes, we are. And with that, Emily, what is the actionable advice for this episode? Okay, so we are going to suggest that you keep a daily writing slash life journal. And it doesn't have to be anything like long and in-depth. Like it can just be really short. Um, doesn't have to take long. But if you can write down specifics of what you did on that day, okay, like you, what did you do with your horse? Like what kind of ride did you have? How did you feel about the ride? What did you do well? What needs improvement? Um, so that is all kind of tied to the, to the horse, right? But then as far as life goes, like did you exercise? If so, what did you do? Um, what, what did you eat? And again, you don't have to list all the specifics, but you know, if you felt like you ate well that day, you know, you had a lot of whole foods and like you were eating healthy, just make a note of it. Or if you were having an off day and you, um, had fast food or something, make a note of it. No judgment. Just like notice how, what you do in a day kind of affects the rest of the day or the following day or whatever. And just, I find it helpful to track what you're doing because then you can go back to see patterns and what works for you and what doesn't. And I, I think it's helpful to have something concrete to look at versus just letting your emotions tell you possibly false information, um, which they tend to do. So having something down on paper that you can go back to can be a real game changer. Great advice as always, Emily. Tell me, what's next for the whole equestrian? Well, most importantly, we are headed home, back to Pennsylvania, where we can record in person again, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And then as far as the other stuff of what's next, I'm not real sure. You know, everything's a bit up in the air, but we're going to make it all work. Um, and... Yeah, we get to get back to our community that we love, and I think that is the most important thing that is coming up. All right, guys, we really hope that you could learn something from this episode, shed some light on how to address mental health, body image. We hope someone got something that they could take away from this episode. If you've experienced any of the problems or want to share some of your personal experiences, please do so. Send us a private message, post on our community page, message the whole equestrian, just get in contact with us. Cause like I said, we love that. And our community loves that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I hope this was helpful. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening guys. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.